also welcome those who are worshiping with us online and those who will be listening to this message after now and those of you who have been on on the live uh, transmission god bless you we don't always get an opportunity to acknowledge you by your name but we do see your name on the trolls uh, and the chat lines and i just want you to know that god is reaching you right where you are and um, thank you for being there and um, some of you even give and um, do those things that really connect you fully to the service. I want to say may God continue to bless you where you are and may God continue to reach you across the borders that um, are physical, that separate us, but yet cannot hold back the Spirit of God. In the name of Jesus. We are on the fifth session of our series on unraveling the mystery of godliness. And um, this is week five. I believe, God, that um, you have been learning in this. I have been. Um, I have had the privilege of studying some of these scriptures virtually all my life, ever since I was a child. But some of the things that we have been learning in the last few weeks, I must say, are so new to me in the sense of very fresh and coming with deeper insights into, into the subject matter than I've ever known. I want to believe, God, that it is the same with you. Praise the Lord. And um, in this series of Unraveling the Mystery of Godliness, we have gone through how Christ was God was manifested in the flesh, how he was justified in the spirit, how he was seen of angels, and uh, how he was preached on to the Gentiles, and how he was preached to the Gentiles and believed on in the world, which we combined last week as our own uh, uh, shining light, as the, as, the, as the command to us to be shining lights, to be the lights to the world just like he was and when he came to manifest in the flesh. So we are grateful to God. Now we are on the very last of that part of First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, even though we have four more topics to go under this whole mystery of godliness. But I will be touching on some of how some of those topics will be looked at in more details as we go along today. And I want to pray that God will give us understanding in Jesus' name. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he said, And great is the mystery of godliness, without controversy, without a doubt. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and finally received up in glory. Somebody say he was received up in glory. So we're talking about him being glorified. The God that was manifest in the flesh is being glorified. And I've, as I've emphasized over and over in the course of our sharing in this topic, I've said everything we read here, even though it specifically talked about Jesus Christ, as joint heirs with him, it applies to us as well. We are manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit by being born again. We are seen of angels because angels are ministering spirits to us. And then we also are preached on among people. Our lights are shining lights. That's what we looked at last week. And the intention is for the Gentiles to be drawn to our light so that they can glorify our Father in heaven, Matthew 5, 16. As our lights, as we're making our lights so shine and we are showing the good works and demonstrating the good works, we allow the Gentiles to be drawn to our light and also to glorify our Father. So to be glorified means to be perfectly honored. There are many words, if you look at the, word, the meaning of the word glory or glorified in the scriptures, it talks about perfection. It talks about immaculates. It talks about things that are heavenly. 
But I just want to just use the two words, perfectly honored, to be perfectly honored. So this is the honor and dignity that God puts upon those he calls. When the Bible would say that, and the glory of the Lord came upon a person, that means that the perfection of God enveloped them and consumed their humanity, hid away their humanity, dealt with their frailty, and brought the supernatural upon their natural glory. We use it, you know, flippantly. We say, oh, glory, oh, glory. We don't know what we're saying. If you encounter real glory, you will know. The Bible says when the real glory of the Lord came down in the dedication of the temple, even the ministers could not stand. There is no way the glory of God is on a person and in a person that has understanding of it that they don't command their environment. They command their environment. They don't fear like everybody else. So the glory of God, Jesus was received up into glory. And this is the ultimate in the fulfillment of this mystery that Paul talked about. He said, and he was received up into glory. When he was speaking to the Colossians, in Colossians 1, 26 and 27, you should note that he said that that mystery has been hidden from ages and from generations, but is now being revealed to us. He said that mystery, in verse 27, Colossians 1, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you receiving Christ, Christ coming into your life, means that you have received the hope of that glory. And on a daily basis, as you interact with Christ through his word, because his word is, he became flesh and he is the word. And as you interact with the word of God, what you do is you are giving yourself continuous hope of enjoying that glory this side of eternity, but much more preparing yourself for what is going to happen on the other side of, of, uh, of um, eternity after, we, after time. I believe we all know that we are living through time, and a time will come when there will be no more time. A time will come when time will, will cease to exist. That is what we should all be prepared for. When people say that nothing is going to happen and everything will just fade into oblivion, I laugh. It is because the human mind cannot comprehend anything outside time. Man was born in time. He lives in time. He dies in time. So if you tell him anything outside time, his brain goes crazy. <laughs> Because he cannot comprehend it. But the one who was and is not subject to time came into time and left time and told us that he's coming back into time to take us into that place that we no longer have regard for time. We must believe him. He was received up into glory. Acts chapter 1 from verse 9. The Bible says, now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. Somebody say he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. We all know this story. There they were on Mount Olives when I went to Israel in the year 1998. And um, they were taking us around the sites. One of the places that is most highly trafficked is Mount Olives. Because it is believed that that is the same mountain, geographically speaking, that his descent will be seen centrally. The whole world will see him. But it is believed because that was where he ascended. It is believed popularly that that's where he will come. So you see a lot of people, when they get there, they lie down like that. I say, it's not that <laughs> They lie down and they have to beg them to stand up <laughs> so that others can come there. <laughs> Human beings are very funny. When they say this is the spot that Jesus rose from, they just dive on top of the thing. <laughs> As if that makes any difference. <laughs> we got to one place that they said is the symbol of where he was born in Nazareth, and they did some kind of mold there. And we were all looking. Before we knew it, one person just died inside. <laughs> they had to be pulling his leg. Come out of there. 
Oh, but it's a lovely, lovely, lovely place to visit. And that's why the devil is always so jealous of that country. Holds so much of history, biblical history, that um, brings the Bible to life. But the Bible says, when he was taken up, a cloud received him. So when he did that, what he showed us is that one day we also will be taken up. Because he showed us every other thing. Hallelujah. He showed us he was manifest in the flesh. He showed us he was justified in the spirit. He showed us he was seen by angels. He showed us he was preached among the Gentiles. He showed us that he shined his own light as the light of the world. So finally, to cup this mystery, he now showed us how he too was caught up in the air and telling us of a type of what is going to happen to us as well. Hallelujah. We also have been predestined to enjoy this. Let's look at it again, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and verse 30. To verse 30. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. This is verse 29. From whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30 says, let's read verse 30 together, everybody. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. If you look at Romans 8, verse 30 very well, you will see that it matches very well what God spoke in 1 Timothy 3.16 that we have been reading over and over again. Everyone predestined and called. The word called there also refers to being manifested into the place of purpose that God has called you. He said, then he justified. He got them saved. And them whom he justified, he is going to glorify because he also glorified them. So every one of us must know that the plan of God that is will be glorified completely. He wants us to be glorified, spirit, soul, and body. Every one of us know about the glory of the latter day, whereby we will receive heavenly bodies and we will be like him. We'll talk about it today. But you see, the glory of man, the glorification of man starts with his spirit. That is what happens at new birth. When your spirit man gets born again, you are glorified in your spirit. That is why he calls you a new creation. Hallelujah. Now look at it this way. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 from verse 23 to 24. It said, now may the God of peace sanctify you completely. May the God of peace sanctify you completely. He said, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is to say, may they be fully glorified at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word sanctification means separated unto God. And so he said that may the God of peace himself separate you unto him completely. Now, your spirit man is already completely separated unto God. But your soul is continually being transformed. That is why he said, do not, he said, let your spirit, let your mind be transformed, by, be, be, that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, the more you allow the transformation, the more you move closer and you cause yourself, your, your soul person, to continue to enjoy that 
sanctification that brings you closer to him. But as far as your spirit is concerned, the Bible says that you are sanctified, you are set free. So every one of us must understand how it works. We all know man is a spirit, he has a soul and he lives in the body. And what is important for us to know about this is that as born again people, we must continually allow the transformation of the soul if we are going to enjoy this aspect of our life eternal. Here on earth, the soul has many functions it performs. It is where our decision-making faculties are held. It is where our intellect resides. It is where our emotions also reside. So we must allow, even though our spirit man is saved, we are a new creation, we must allow our soul to continually be glorified through the process of sanctification. So it is important that we, we see this. So there is a plan of God that will be glorified completely. Glorification is progressive. It starts with our spirit, it goes through our soul, and ultimately to our bodies. And I want to quickly talk on the three. Glorification of the spirit is the first thing. This endows us with righteousness and helps, our, it helps us to perfect our imagery of Christ. The Bible says that we are saved to be conformed to the image of Christ. Now, every one of us must understand this, that when our spirit man gets born again and we become a new creation in Christ, we are at liberty. We are free. The Bible says, stand therefore, Galatians 5.1 says, stand therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free. We are no longer under the bondage of the enemy. However, our spirit man that is born again needs to continually be allowed to rule as led by the Holy Spirit to rule over our soul. This is the work that helps us to make uh, the glory that God wants to reveal in our soul evident. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm talking of the glorification of the spirit and then I'll talk about the glorification of the soul. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18 says, but we all, let's read it. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. The unveiled face there means that we are people who have also been given access. Remember the veil that, that was covering the temple, uh, the inner, inner, inner court and the outer court, and was separating the Holy of Holies, rather, from the, uh, the inner chambers, whereby only high priest could go in. At the death of Jesus Christ, that veil was torn into two, which meant that as many who believe in this death and resurrection now have this unveiled face, now have the ability to go. That is why the Bible says, let us now come boldly before his throne. And that is one of the things we'll be looking at in this series, about how to walk in the boldness of this new calling. It says, let us now come boldly. So we behold him as in a mirror, it is the glory of God, and then every day we are being transformed. We do this by worship. We do this by study. This is why when you come to church, don't see the opportunity for worship as just something that helps you to make time pass. No. The Bible says now is the time and they that must worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So as you are believing the truth of the word of God, you must also allow your spirit man to worship him. 
Because that way you continue to see his glory, you continue to behold his glory, and then it allows you to be transformed into the same image. You see, a time comes when that glory is walking from your inside to the outside, your identity as a Christian is seen, is noticeable, very physically, even though it's something that is happening spiritually. When I was a little child, many people thought that that has to do with how you now dress. So people get born again without any inner conviction and then they just begin to dress in one kind of wonky way like that and say they are born again. Because that was the understanding. They felt you have to show that you are now born again. So they mechanically put on dresses to so stop using jewelry and do those things that make them look, <laughs> make them look pious. But in, in essence, they look foolish. Because what they are putting on has nothing to do with what their spirit man, their state of their spirit man. With all due respect, I know they're trying to show something, but the idea is that you let your spirit be transforming you, and then you will find yourself being transformed to the same image from glory to glory. Look at what happened to the first set of apostles, Acts 14, Acts 4, verse 13. He said, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. By themselves, they noted it. Why do you think this is important? Before that time, people who talked boldly the way they were talking were very educated people. They were trained people. They were scholars. They were people who handled the, the, the liturgy with a lot of confidence and they were, they were schooled. Then from nowhere, these people appeared and they were, they were delivering the word of God. Peter preached a message from his head and he, he preached and 3,000 people were convinced. Stephen gave them the whole of the New Testament from his head. They said these kind of people are not ordinary. They are not trained for this. We didn't know the school that Stephen went. We didn't know the school that Peter went, basically. Of course, at this point in time, Stephen had already come on the scene, but it was the same kind of scenario. When Stephen was speaking, they said, which kind of wisdom is this that this man is using to speak? Hallelujah. There is something that happens from your inside that makes it very physically possible for people to see that you are truly glorified in your spirit. And the sharpening of that... The imagery that changes continuously from one realm of glory to the other in the spirit happens by your constant fellowship with the things of God, particularly as it has to do with the worship of the God who justified you in the first instance. So every one of us must take very seriously the aspect of fellowship. We're in a generation where fellowship is very, very much threatened by many, many things. Fellowship is threatened. Many people see no reason why they should belong to a fellowship. And you see, you cannot be a Christian. A Christian that says he doesn't belong to a church is like one who is like, is like a member of the part of a body who says, I am a hand, but you see, I function by myself. <laughs> and it's not joined to anybody. You know, there's just no way that can stand. Or a branch of a tree that is cut off somewhere and it says, I'm part of that tree over there. <laughs> So you have to physically connect. You have to physically join. So this is why it is important. When you join like that, it allows that koinonia and the sharpening of one another so that our spirit man continues to get that transformation from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Then the glorification of the soul. This is the one that refreshes us and strengthens our inner man continuously. I told you the soul is where you have your willpower, your emotions, and your intellect. 
It is so important that we have a glorification of the soul and we understand how it works. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 from verse 16 to verse 18. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed when? Day by day. The decline of the outward man is contrary to the rise and the renewal of the inward man. Now, you see, this outward man is perishing because it is earthly. And it is not the body we are taking to heaven. But we'll talk about the glorification of the body after now. But it's not the body we are taking to heaven. But Paul said, you see, don't lose heart. Many people lose heart because they see a declining outward body. They see a declining kind of physical and then they lose heart. He said, though that is happening, you should know that your inward man is to be renewed day by day. Verse 17 says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. There is the glory. The Bible says he was received up into glory. And we are talking of our inheritance of glory. We must understand that there is a process that gives us that inheritance here on earth. It is our portion. It has been given to us. But the Bible says that it is a light affliction. And it is only for a moment. <laughs> in in, in um, Proverbs chapter 30 verse 6. The Bible says, even though weeping may endure for the night, it says joy will do what come in the morning light. Joy will come in the morning light, even though weeping may endure for the night. Don't be stuck in the weeping of the night, forgetting that the joy of the morning is for your glory. Don't allow the things that are so temporal, the things that shake and rock people and make people give up, make you give up on a continuous basis. Keep manifesting to the glory of God, asking God to help you to go through the light afflictions of the day. The Bible says in verse 18, while we do not look at things which are seen, we must keep looking at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Your faith is eternal. Your ability to believe God is eternal. Your ability to hold on to the word of God that does not die, that has no beginning and has no end, is eternal. Everything that you see in this life that you can see physically is temporary. Many people have lost their purpose and sense of eternity because of temporary things. Many people, many people have given up on their Christianity and their redemption. They have given up on their race because of temporary things. Everybody who is in your life today was probably not in your life five years ago or ten years ago or twenty years ago. Very few people. Very few people, if you look at your life, very, very few people are usually there for all the time. So when you are moved by what somebody is doing part-time, you are running a risk of jeopardizing the glory that could be coming tomorrow. Because they may not even be there. They may not be there. I'm not saying we should be brutal with people and say, you know, I don't care whether you are going to be. No, that's not what I'm saying. But we should understand that this idea of losing a sense of purpose because of what is happening in the day, because of the disappointments of the day, needs to be stopped in the body of Christ. If you want to go anywhere in this race, you must be a person who understands the value of those things that are not seen and are eternal. And every time you see a person, Paul said, I know no man after the flesh. Help yourself by seeing people the way God sees them. 
Minimize the friction with people. The person you say is, I've, I've seen people stand on top of this altar, and I'm not saying this jokingly and mockingly. God is my witness. God is my witness. We are here almost eight years now, but I'm saying this with every sense of purpose to make you see why you just need to keep going. I've seen people stand here and say, this man called David Oloke is the best thing that ever happened to my life. <laughs> He's the best thing that ever happened to me. This ministry, ha, God bless this ministry. Many years ago, when we first started, I stood right here and said the same, those words I said to you. But today, hardly if I text them, they, they, for whatever reason, they don't, they don't even reply a text. It's a problem. I said, ah, what happened to six years ago when? I, <laughs> that was before Old Testament. <laughs> so what are we saying? Now, if, I was, if, if my joy and my passion for ministry was tied to those kind of statements, whilst I appreciate testimonies and I will keep appreciating God, if my joy for ministry was tied to those, test, that, those kind of stories, where will I be today? I'll be chasing the person you're about to say, please come and say it again. Please, I'm losing energy. Come and say it again. <laughs> if the person is watching me now, he will see that my passion for serving and sharing has not diminished one bit. And I'm not saying this sarcastically. No change. Because I know that there are eternal things. I'm not going to be answerable to man. The man who said, go and do this work for me. I'm going back to him. When I get there, I will say, I could not do it because you see, brother A and sister B, we are not uh, cooperating. Eh? <laughs> Hallelujah. You must understand that you need to keep seeing the things which are temporary. Many people have left church because they were disappointed by, by relationships and broken engagements. Somebody said they were going to marry you and they suddenly they, they did not marry again. And because of that, they, they, they stopped going to church because they said that was a church person. <laughs> Hallelujah. We don't let those kind of things stop us. I want you to know that you have to make a determination to allow the glorification of your soul to be something that God is doing by you. The Bible says it will be processed by light affliction. Don't lose heart because God is working. Say God is working on my inside. Then, glorification of the body. This is something we enjoy by way of divine health and wealth. By way of divine health and divine wealth. So that we can carry out our life assignments. I told you there is a progression. When Jesus comes, the first thing to glorify in your life is your spirit. So that you can become a new creation. When you are in Christ, you become a new creation. Your spirit is giving a newness. A freshness, a fresh start. And then your soul, your mind continues to gradually be transformed. Okay? Now, your body. Your body physically declines. You grow older. But there is something about your body that also continues to enjoy divine strength so that you can fulfill life assignments for the time God gives you here on earth. I, I hope you, you, you know what I'm talking about. Look at Psalm 92. The Bible says in verse 12, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, he shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Verse 13 says, verse 13, Psalm 92, 13, thank you. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. This is why we must understand the importance of being planted in the house. Don't be uh, a person that is not planted. 
Be planted in a house. The Bible says if you want to flourish in the courts of God, we all understand what the courts is. We always talk about entering into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. He talks about his very, very presence where you can have a one-to-one tit-a-tit with him, where you can talk with him constantly. He said that those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of God. They shall have sweet communion with God continually. And then verse 14. Let's read verse 14 together. He said, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Hallelujah. God will confer on them some spiritual vitality. That even though you can look at them and see that they are aging, because the outward man would always be diminishing, however, the most important thing is that they shall be fresh and flourishing and they will be bearing fruit. They'll be bearing fruit. Every fruit of the Spirit is what will continue to bear till Jesus comes. Every fruit that God expects us to bear as persons, he continues to help us to bear them till he comes. In the name of Jesus. Every one of us must understand we are partakers of that grace. If you don't have health, it becomes more difficult for you to fulfill life assignments. I was doing a calculation, rough calculation today, by reason of our almost being eight years in, in a few months, in August, by the grace of God, in September 1, the Sunday, September 1, if we make it the very eighth year that we have been doing the work here, that will mean we have done 416 Sundays. 416 Sundays. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I don't know how many of those I've preached, but I know it's not less than 350. I know it can't be less than 350. There was one year that was, I was even the only person that preached 52, 2015. You can't do that in human strength. You can't. You can't. It's impossible. Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to give so much. You know, you know the energy that goes out. If you see me when I'm sleeping at 3 o'clock, that's why if you call me at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, <laughs> you're wasting your time. I sleep very deep. <laughs> I sleep very deep, maybe not for more than one hour, but I take that time I rest because the, the kind of momentum you build up to come in here and sleeplessness and so many things, and you do that Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. You can't do it in human strength. That's why, that's why when you see pastors, and I'm not mocking, but this is the reality, when you see somebody who is always inviting people, inviting people, is his style. <laughs> It's time to keep, to keep recuperating. <laughs> because when you do four or five at a stretch, you are breathing like that. You say, ah, bro, can you come and preach for me two or three weeks? <laughs> I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to invite people, but I'm telling you. And I've had friends who confess to me, that, David, really, I'm tired. Can you help me preach some? Can you help me preach some? The Bible says that they shall be fresh and flourishing. Every one of us must understand this. We take care of this outward man very well. And that is good. We should. Take care of your outward man. Don't be looking haggard. Don't say because it is diminishing. So you let it diminish. There is no woman that likes her husband with a pot belly. I've never seen one. I've never seen one. If you find one or if you are one, let me know so that I will add you to my list of people that are contrary. No woman. And every man has a tendency to grow one. No matter your stature. Even this me, as if I don't take time <laughs> You just look down. You see, you can't see your belt. You say, ah, what is happening? I used to see this. <laughs> I used to see this buckle every time I look down. Now, I have to put your hand. 
outward man. That is called outward man. <laughs> you have to deal with it. And there is no man. Any man that says to you, you know, I don't care what you look like. He is a lie. Don't, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. He might be trying to make you feel good, but don't listen to him. He likes, he likes what you look like. He likes what you look like. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. I'm not saying do anything extraordinary. Just present yourself very well all the time. These things have been problems in marriages for many years. Especially Christian marriages. We are now married. So the man started to look like Jaguar. There's one comedian in my country. Many, when I was very young, they called him Jaguar. Very big man like that with hair all over the place, unshaven. The man suddenly starts to look like that. And then the woman, I will not say what anything. <laughs> but you know, the truth is this. There's a funny joke about a, a, a man, a farmer who went to, uh, a, a, this is in America. They lived in the rural area. So they traveled for the first time in their life. They had a teenage son. And they, for the first time in their life, they went to New York. And New York is one of these cities where everywhere is, you know, glistering skyscrapers and so on and so forth. It's a lovely, lovely city. So they were fascinated by everything. Wow, wow, wow. You know, and then they went into their hotel to stay. And uh, this was a, a tall hotel. So for the first time in their life, they saw a lift. So this man and his, and his wife were in their 70s already. Their son was very young. He was just in his late teens. And uh, they stood in front of the lift. They didn't know what it was. So the, but while they were waiting there, waiting for the mom to come from where she went, uh, <laughs> one elderly woman came before them, entered the lift. It's asked them if they were coming. They said, no, not yet. That They are waiting for somebody. She pressed her floor, doors closed, went off to her floor. And then when the lift came down, a very young, beautiful girl walked out of the same door that they saw just now. And they didn't know that it has been an exchange upstairs. And the man stood there. The boy looked at the father. He said, Dad, do you know what has happened? He said, no. The, man, the boy said, the, the man said, do you know? He said, no. He said, anyway, go and get your mother. Go and get your mother. <laughs> you know what that means? <laughs> if this thing, they enter it and they come back like that, go and get your mother. <laughs> we will wait here for her. <laughs> the man thought that the lift is something that transforms people. And <laughs> Everybody always likes it. So I'm not saying we should not take care of our physical persons. I have a lot of stories like that, but I will not bore you today. <laughs> we should not take care of our physical persons, but we must understand something. We need to invest a lot on our inner man. We need to invest a lot. And then trust God for vitality of our, inner, of our outer man. You need to be strong. You need to be strong. Empowered in health. Empowered in wealth. It's important. Joshua in Joshua 14, you remember Joshua and Caleb? In Numbers 14, they were the two that saw giants in the land and said, we can take it. Joshua and Caleb, remember? When Joshua became the leader of the group and Moses had died, Joshua, Caleb said to Joshua in Joshua 14, he said, we are now 80, but I remember when we were 40. He said, do you know something? The strength I have, seeing those giants, I still have it in me. Give me this mountain. Hallelujah. He said, give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. And the Bible says that he went and God gave him the mountain of Horeb. Forty years later, every one of us must understand that God's will is that we are people who are consistently trusting him for strength to do what we do. Everyone who is against church prospering is an agent of darkness. 
They are of the devil. Everyone who is, who is always against money coming to the church, I'm talking of the church global, is an agent of darkness. And everyone who takes church money and makes a mockery of it and makes the world hate church people because of that is also an agent of darkness. These are devices of the enemy that are rising up in this end time to cripple the church. If the church does not have money to run, it will not be able to do the things that God has called it to do. It is impossible. In our own little way here, we have spent over half a million pounds in the eight years that we... You need to clap for Jesus Christ. You need to clap for Jesus Christ. And by the grace of my God, I know I have a few tens of thousands in there, myself personally. If I am not empowered and I have to be begging people, I'm begging people every time, where will I, where will I be? Where will I be? Where will we be? So there is something about the glorification of the body. It is not just about you being able to have strength. You also, God gives you also, as he glorifies your soul, he gives your intellectual capacity with ideas, stimulates you for things to do, then he gives you the strength to do them. Work is very, very, work is not a difficult thing for me. I can sit for 12 hours and work. If I want to sleep, I can sleep six hours. That's my life. If I want to, like yesterday, I just, I, I was trying to study and I was feeling sleepy. I told my daughter, I said, you know what? I'm going to sleep today. I'm going to really rest today. I said, at times I work a lot in the week. She said, yes, dad, you work very, very hard. Because at times she has gone out, come back, gone out, come back. <laughs> and she finds me on the same spot. Still working. Don't be lazy. But there is a way God wants you to work. All the messages for next week, two weeks, I'm already in them already. That is how I'm doing it. I'm already in them. As the spirit floods it in, we do it. We get on. So the work is always going. As we finish this one, we get the next one. We finish this one, we get the next one. We're already in summer. We're already in December. If I, was, I was thinking just this morning that maybe this year we should do celebrate the king outside. So start praying. Start praying. God help you. You come with jackets and everything and we'll be blazing out, outside there, blazing our music. So if God permits, that's what we'll do. Praise the Lord. We are, we are working on our systems for live transmission so that we might be able to transmit from outside. If God help it, work by this summer. Maybe celebrate the king will be outside. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I just, I'm just saying that. But you know, we are always working, thinking, planning. There's no time. There's no time. So there is something about the glorification of your body that God wants to do. Ultimately, we will attain the glorified bodies of life everlasting after our union with glorified Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians 4, we have read this before as I start to bring this to a close. Verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with a voice of the archangel, of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, he said, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet him in the air, and thus we shall always be. Finally, we are going to have glorified bodies. Everyone who is dead and everyone who is alive when Jesus comes, this flesh will, live, will stay here on earth because it is, it is soil, it is earth. It was just given as a carcass to hold up everything that we carry whilst we are here on this earth. It is coming, we are going to come out of it and we will receive a fresh new body which will make us look exactly, finally, exactly like Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He said, therefore, we should be comforting one another with these words. Verse 18. Every time, comfort yourself 
that one day this body will be yielded up. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. 2 Corinthians 9.8 tells us that. So that you can have a sufficiency in all things and abound to every good work. I want you all to understand this, friends. There is work to be done. On a daily basis, people are dying across the nations of the world. And what the devil wants to do is to continue to confuse and make people play. We have countries where there are seemingly no governments in place because anything is a free fall there. And then we have countries like ours where, where we, at times we are overemphasizing on things that are not important. You know, I, I, I used to like the politicians a lot. This time last year, none of them had a chance to discuss anything else other than COVID, how will we survive. <laughs> now that God has helped them a bit, they, they want to tear down their prime minister. <laughs> it's a very funny thing that politicians do. We've got to be very, you know, three years ago, if somebody had told me, or four years ago, if somebody had told me that we would not be arguing Brexit every day, this period. Do you understand what I'm saying? I would have said, no, it's not possible because the thing was so hot. They even sacked one prime minister because of it. Theresa May had to leave because of Brexit. But when COVID came, it was as if we never talked about it. <laughs> so in life, when, when you have a problem, until a bigger one comes, then you know that you didn't have a problem before. <laughs> That's why you should not be afraid of any, and worried about any problem. When you are worried about a problem, it's because you don't know that it is not a problem until a bigger one comes. <laughs> so let God continue to be taking care of your situation. One day we'll be like him. Revelations 21. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow. Verse 2. He says, Then I, John, saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Verse 3. Hallelujah. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and he will be their God. Let's read verse 4 together. The glorification of the body will, communicate, will culminate into all this. Verse 4. Let's read together. Everybody go on to go. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow. No crying. Hallelujah. There shall be no more pain and the former things have passed away. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Any day you are tempted to compromise and give up, any day you are tempted to feel overwhelmed about life, remember it's a light affliction. Keep remembering that day that is coming. Remember your mansions in heaven that Jesus has gone to prepare for you. Those things should excite you. It should encourage you. It should always make you feel like this is truly temporary. Then you will find it much easier to forgive people. You will find it much easier not to let people offend you. You will also work on yourself not to be an offense to people. I'm quick to ask for forgiveness. Anybody, even from my own children, if they say they are not happy with what I said or something, I'm quick to say, please forgive me. Because I don't want to offend. Not that I'm afraid to offend, but because anything that will make this journey difficult for me and for my brother, I don't want it. I want us to work together in wisdom, in peace and harmony so that we can get to that day where there will be no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain. Finally, 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 we read Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 3. Pastor Lola led us earlier on to verse 14. A lot of verses there. Ephesians 1 is loaded. The book of Ephesians is very loaded. We have studied it before in this church. One day again, we'll go back over it and look at some themes from it. Very powerful writing. One of the most strongly written uh, epistles of Apostle Paul. Very powerful. 
verse 3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. If you want to enjoy the heavenly blessings, live as a heavenly citizen from now. You are a heavenly citizen. Philippians 3.20 says that we are of, our citizenship is of what? Of heaven. So live as one. You want to enjoy the blessings that are in the heavenly places, stop engaging with carnality. Live carnality. If you live carnally, you cannot enjoy the heavenly. The spiritual blessings have been there. The Bible says he has blessed us. This is not for a future. You can press into the blessings of heaven from now. Even though we are still working progress towards it. Just by making a determination to be heavenly. By making a determination to be a person who values the kingdom citizenship that we have much more. If you go straight to verse 13. The Bible says, in him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Have you believed? I say, have you believed in the word of truth? You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise in the name of Jesus. And verse 13, uh, verse 14, he said, who is the guarantee of our inheritance? As long as there is the Holy Spirit, your guarantee remains in force. Hallelujah. When you buy a product, they will tell you that it is guaranteed for three years or five years or whatever. Or they tell you to buy what is called an extended warranty. In some cases nowadays, they tell you to buy a lifetime warranty. You pay something once and that covers it as long as you are alive and you are using that thing. That is what the Holy Spirit has done for us. We, he is our eternal guarantee. Purchased by the blood of Jesus, him being the seal. Just because we believed. May God continue to guarantee our inheritance of glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. You have no reason to be compromising whatsoever. Compromise means you have lost sight of what is ahead. We make emphasis on the coming of Christ a lot in this church and about heaven. Because that picture must never leave you on a daily basis. Situations of life will always want you to compromise. Situations of life will always want you to be a person that is living in the tug of war with people. You don't need to be a tug with anybody. When I turned 50, I had a big revelation. I said, from now, I'll be telling everybody that I have become an umpire. I am no more a wrestler. <laughs> I am now an umpire. Have you ever seen an umpire in a wrestling bout or boxing bout that is fighting any of the people there? No. So when you come to me and you say you want to fight, you, you start doing like that. I will say, okay, wait, 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 wait. Who is your opponent? <laughs> because I am an umpire. Who is your opponent? If you have none, I'll say, go and get one first before you come to me. <laughs> because I am not a boxer. I'm not a wrestler. Let's stand for it.